we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello and welcome to another episode of our We Power On season on this, the Northern Power Women podcast. I'm your host, Simone Roche, and every week I'm joined by someone from our Northern Power Women community who we can all learn from and take away some top tips. And today my guest is Hayley Bell, innovation and growth consultant, Innovate UK Edge. And alongside her day job at the age of 27, Hayley founded Women Riders Work. World Relay, uh, the world's largest motorcycle relay, which is performed entirely by women. Hooray! <laughs> she is the only <laughs> non-American in history to be awarded the prestigious honour of the AMA's Motorcyclist of the Year Award for her efforts towards the motorcycling industry and community. And she's also been awarded a lifetime honorary member of the Women's International Motorcycle Association. Haley's career started out as a windsurfing instructor and is currently the global athlete and communications manager for Mukoff. Haley's passion lead mission is to encourage more females into the world of motorcycling by creating an inclusive and safe and supportive environment within the community. Haley, welcome. I don't know how you have time for a job. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's a busy life, I lead. <laughs> Do you know what? It's fascinating. And, uh, you know, I always love on this podcast, we have different people from different walks of life. And you think kind of motorcycling is, is, is quite specific and how can that relate to other people? But when you read your story and you read your your backstory and how you got into this, and we're gonna we're gonna delve into that now. I think there's always things that people can take away, can't they? And you've achieved so much already, but what does that recognition mean to you being on this northern northern power women list? Do you know what? It's 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 really, really quite like amazing that you guys picked me because everything that I've been sort of recognized from up to today has been very motorcycle industry sector specific. So to be recognized from a business as a, a, in general perspective is amazing to me. And it, it really did mean the world to me. And I think you're absolutely right, Simone, the fact that you, you may, um, sort of have a business or uh, a challenge or whatever that you're, you've overcome in a specific sector. It doesn't mean that it's just relatable to that one sector and it does open you up to, you know, and, and should be spoken about really across uh, across all sectors. And I think there's always this life learning you get along the way, isn't it? There's all, you know, whether you're in a, a corporate role, sort of more of a flexible role, or, you know, an entrepreneurial role, it all, it all kind of relates, doesn't it? And I, and I know you said that at a young age, you realised that that young age, that society's life funnel, I love that phrase, didn't suit you. What did you mean by that? You know, you're, you're meant to do the, and I say meant in, you know, with abbreviated commas, but you're meant to go to school, um, go to college, get your degree, find the job, stay in the job, do X, Y, Z in one, two, three order. And it never really suited me that. I've always been very creative and very uh, firing off in different directions. And I like to have 
10 projects on the go at any one time and to to put me into a seat and tell me to stay somewhere for a period of time like university. I went to university and I, and I did a year and within that first year I set up my own business and out of my university funds much to my mum and dad's disapproval and then, and then left and, and ran a solar panel installation company instead and it never really suited me that sort of traditional way of developing your career and I think I must admit that totally resonates with me I, I, I remember feeling very I was done with academia and I wasn't really sure I did I wanted an adventure I didn't want the traditional nine to five I, I you know I, I was not ready for I didn't want to do university I wanted to go and crack on and, and do and I, I I joined the Royal Navy and that was my my kind of adventure but taking these leaps of faith or not going with what is expected can be scary and um, you know how did you feel a fear and do it any Anyway. Well, fear is something I feel on most days because I, I'm mostly riding motorcycles and, uh, you know, it, it's it's a fear. It is an adrenaline thing. And I do have that sort of adrenaline addiction, I suppose, a little bit. But something that I've been dealing with quite recently, which is a, which is a real fear, is like a fear of heights. And I've, I've got this terrible phobia of heights. I'll have panic attacks, you know, I, I get nauseous, I'll pass out in certain instances and do you know what the, the the one thing that you've got to do with like fear that I have come to understand is you've just got to face it head on and it then becomes an, a non-fear so I'll do things and it's progressive you know I'm I'm not going to do a skydive tomorrow I'm working my way up with things like walking over aqueducts and you know climbing up ladders and all the rest of it and it's exactly the same principle with in my opinion, with, you know, things that you fear in life, you'll always have a fear and you'll always have that, well, what if, if you don't face it. I am a leaper. I do take those those risks um, and I do uh, jump in with both feet first. But I think if I didn't do that, Christ, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have achieved anything. I really wouldn't have achieved anything in life if I'd have sat there and let a fear take over and it's what makes you you I suppose as well doesn't it you know we all have to do I always think you know when we do our we do our power up mentoring and we do these like virtual sessions every every month you know connecting great people with different skills you know different expertise different experience and for me it's about passing that on and almost saying you don't have to do what I did you don't have to go down that path actually it's about finding your own path there's no one size fits all and you know if you think of the the adrenaline of, of the, to the community of it in in motor motorcycling, what is it that ignites your passion? The the adrenaline, the community, the 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 leaping, as you say. <laughs> no, it's 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 all and more. I've never ever found a community that is so open and connected and diverse. We have doctors, we have bus drivers, we have all different religions, all different backgrounds, all different upbringings. And the community comes together as one. And and it is very, very, like, there's an an undertone of respect across the whole community. And it is quite similar to a a military environment, to be honest. Uh, There's a lot of military backgrounds, people with military backgrounds that do ride motorcycles because of that sense of community as well. I think it's everything. Motorcycling, to me, is... 
is the freedom to do what you want to do and go where you want to go and have that. I mean, in my garage downstairs, at any point in the time, I've got a therapist and it's in the shape of a 1,200cc engine. And, <laughs> and I, when I get on that bike, I, I, everything goes out of your head. So, it, you know, it costs me nothing. I, I can get on the bike. My head is clear at the end of it. And I come back and I feel refreshed and I feel like I've achieved something as well because there are challenges that you face with, with motorcycling and, you know, it's, it's not a, a game of golf. So when you come home and you've, you know, you've felt that buzz and you've had that adrenaline kick and all the rest of it, you feel sort of revitalized and it puts things into perspective. The community is a massive part of why I love motorcycling, but it's also the adrenaline side as well. Yeah, I'm a junkie. I hold my hands up. <laughs> Everyone needs a therapist in their garage is what I say. And I know you played around with BMXs in your childhood, but what was it that, you know, took you to be the leaper and, and get onto that motorbike and, and, and why? Well, do you know what? So I was never allowed a motorbike when I was younger because I was the reckless child. I was the the wild one. And um, my brother was the sensible one. He's four years younger than me and he was allowed a motorcycle, but I was not. So <laughs> I was deemed safer on four wheels than two. So I got a car, you know, when I was 17 and things. And then I went traveling and, you know, I was teaching windsurfing in different countries all around the world for about three years. So it wasn't really at the forefront of my mind at all that was until I got back home and I didn't have that buzz of windsurfing and I didn't have that buzz of, you know, traveling to a different country every six months doing back-to-back seasons and all the rest of it. And I got back and I was bored, Simone. I was bored. I was like, I need something. And um, my father rides motorcycles. My brother rides motorcycles. It's always been something that I've been into, but I didn't actually pick it up until I was 23, nearly 24. I said to myself one day, right, I'm going to go and get my motorcycle license. And my mum and dad were like, oh my God, she's going to kill herself on that thing. Like, oh, you know, they were on having kittens about it. But I went out and I did my, I did my license. And I remember the very first day that I went on a lesson on the road. And it was this like, it sounds bizarre, but it was just this experience that I had that I can't explain to anybody unless you ride a motorcycle. But it's this 360 panoramic view because, of course, you haven't got the shell of a car around you. So my instructor, bless him, knew I had a bit of a, an adventure taste and he didn't want to take me around the towns. So he took me up to uh, a place called the Cat and Fiddle in the Peak District. So we went up this beautiful, like, windy road up on top of the, the hills and the view was just breathtaking. And I was like, this, this is what this is what motorcycling is. Oh my God. Like, I'm right. I'm in, I'm in, count me in. And I still get that exact same feeling every time I get on the bike. It's like a romance, isn't it? It's like a romance and a relationship. <laughs> it really is. It's a hard one to explain, but it's like, yeah, I mean, I think I get more cut up about like selling a motorbike than I do anything else in life. <laughs> like, You do get quite attached to them. <laughs> Tell us about the Women Riders World Relay and what was your motivation behind it? Obviously, I'm a... a, a a female motorcyclist and we're a minority within a minority really but I knew that there was going to be more women out there who had my passions and shared my passions of motorcycling and you know I don't really do spa weekends of a weekend I like to sit in the garage and tinker that's my idea of a good 
a good Friday night is having some people around, having a couple of drinks and and fixing the bikes up and making them perfect and then going out riding the next day. And, you know, I knew that there'd be other women that shared that, but could I find them? Could I hell, right? It, it was difficult. And coupled with the fact that I had some uh, frustrations with the industry in terms of how they were actually catering for women, but also how they were representing women, I'll give you a, a, a really good example. When I was building the WRWR website, I was looking for um, imagery on Google of female motorcyclists. And there was next to nothing on there at all. But what was on there was, you know, your typical in a bikini, draped over a bike shots. And I was just like, I remember looking at it and I was like, wow. This is not what women bikers are. Where are the women? Where are the real people? Where are the women bikers? And now that WRWRs kicked off, I made like I made a massive point. I was like, right, we're taking we're taking amazing photos, and we're taking thousands of them, and they are all over Google. If you type into Google now, women bikers or women riders, you will see an abundance of different shapes, sizes, backgrounds, and that was not there at all. Three years ago. So it's it's it, so by creating the women riders relay, not only it wasn't about the relay, it was as equally important about the representation and changing and changing the landscape, wasn't it? And changing that visibility. That's so and I know that's massively important to you. The relay was the relay, it was separate. The the reason for the relay is the reason why WRWR started. And it was that I needed something that was gonna wow the industry into pricking up their ears to the female market and recognizing that there are more of us out there than, than they thought. So, so, you know, I needed to get a lot of us involved and also doing it on a global scale because, again, it's not, you know, I sit here from a very westernized perspective. My eyes were completely opened through WRWR. You know, I had no idea what the motorcycling community was like in Chile or in Argentina or, you know, South Africa, because I'd never been and I'd never experienced that. Through communicating with these thousands of female bikers and un- starting to understand the culture behind it, in- which varies massively in different countries. And you'd think it'd be the same because it's the same sport, but it's not at all. You know, getting this perspective and this sort of real good insight into a, a country's culture and the way that the the community sort of responds to each other, it needed to be a global thing. It needed to to be spread across there. It was, you know, it's funny because it was only one year prior to the relay starting that it was made legal for women to to drive cars in the UAE. One year. And then we, we stormed through in our hundreds on motorbikes, you know, and we were invited to, you know, and, and to different sort of festivals, the Dubai shopping festival, the closing ceremony and all this sort of, you know, and it was, it was made a big deal. But one year prior, women weren't allowed to ride. And, you know, still in, in Iran, it's illegal for a woman to, to own a motorcycle uh, license. So, you know, it was all these things that sort of collectively both started the idea but then when I started like hearing more and more about this as I opened up to different countries I was like oh my right we need to we need to really 
get this going. And, and I think this is what really stands out for me. If you've, you, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to an article that you were featured in recently and that will answer all the questions that we might not get to today. Uh, but, you know, um, you've undertaken so many challenges riding across the whole of America, riding a thousand miles in a day in one single day. These are huge challenges, can seem massively overwhelming, but what would be your top tip to how anyone out there can face that massive challenge? Um, well, don't take, t- don't take my advice. Cause I, I go, I literally go in fee first, <laughs> but, um, my answer is to start. Like if you start it, if you're anything like me, you've, you've got to finish it. And I think if you, if you just take that first step and look for the support as well, I mean, you know, WRWR in its example, I could not do that the, the 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 logistics of organizing a world relay with 20,000 women involved across 100 countries are insane and we could talk about that all day but there's no way that I would have been able to achieve that on my own i needed a support network around me finding the right team is crucial to that and the right support network and being around the people that support you as well. You know, we were faced with a lot of adversity. We were faced with a lot of people laughing at me, you know, saying this is never going to work and, you know, really sort of downtreading it all. You've just got to buckle up and, and, and carry on riding out the storm and, and if you're passionate about something, that'll shine through. And I think this is that's exactly sort of demonstrated in our conversation today. You don't have to follow that one path. Believing in in what what you can do, take the leap, build a community around you. And and I know you're passionate about sort of supporting others, but it's taking that challenge one bite size at a time. But I can, I think you're a go big or go home as well. <laughs> so final as we're literally we're, we're over time. But what is what's the, what's next for you? I know you you have this great quote a ship in harbour is uh, safe but that's not what ships are built for what is next in one sentence well I've got I've got a few things up my sleeve Simone like as you know I don't like just one project but um, <laughs> I've, I've just recently started um, a, a job with with Muckoff as, as we were sort of mentioning before so I'm going to be taking on their their global athlete roster which I'm really excited about as well because there's you know a lot of diverse challenges that they're facing within that side of things and also, I'm writing two books at the minute. Well, more than two books, but one is um, about the whole WRWR um, process. It's taken three years for me to finally unlock Pandora's box and put everything down onto paper. And it's important that that we do that uh, because there are some incredible stories and incredible people that need to be highlighted. And then there's also I'm looking to encourage women from a young age into into the industry because it's not the norm that a little girl would be into motorbikes. It's not seen as the norm. So I'm writing a children's series. It's, it's called Musty the Rusty Motorbike. And this is all about a little girl who has this magical, rusty heap of junk motorbike and they go on their adventures. And that's hopefully to encourage it to become more normal for a young girl to be into motorcycles and tools and being in the garage and, you know, getting muddy out in the fields and all the rest of it, like the things I used to enjoy when I was a kid. That's amazing. And how did I know you couldn't answer that question in one sentence? It was going to be impossible. It was a big ask, but (laughs) (laughs) Hayley, honestly, it's been so fascinating speaking to you today. As I say, we'll put information about WRWR in the show notes as well, because follow this journey. We'll, We'll keep following you with pride because what you're doing is phenomenal. Thank you for being on today's podcast, Hayley. I just want to say thank you as 
as well very much for for voting me for the future list it was uh, a real honor so thanks Simone oh not me it's the it's the community out there they put you on the map you know so because you are you but thank you so much Hayley for being here today and thanks to all of you for tuning in today if you love our episodes please let us know by rating reviewing subscribing to the podcast this helps us spread the stories of phenomenal humans like Hayley and to more people amplifying the fantastic work and adding to the whole of role models that we've got out there please do reach out on socials at North Power Women on Twitter and at Northern Power Women on all our other social media and join us next Monday when I'll be joined by another wonderful role model from the MPW community I'm Simone Roche you've been listening to the Northern Power Women podcast a What Goes On Media production Ooh.